Hey gorgeous mama, if you are ready to feel empowered in your pregnancy and birth journey, then my love, you are in the right place. Welcome to the Birth Like a Badass podcast with your host, me, Nikki Syme. Real talk for real women on all things pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Let's go. Hey mama, and welcome back to the podcast. I have got a spare couple of minutes, or hopefully about half an hour. <laughs> Little man is asleep upstairs, and my partner is taking the other boys out to see a movie. So I thought this was a perfect opportunity for me to jump on and quickly share another birth story with you. So today I want to talk to you about my second birth, which was with my beautiful boy, Phoenix. Um, so I felt really pregnant up <laughs> I fell pregnant really quickly after I had um, Griffin, my first, and as most of you will know that it is not encouraged to fall pregnant or to give birth within 18 months of um, having your a C-section. Um, so the fact that I had got pregnant, I think it was about four months postpartum, meant that I was going to be well under that 18-month um, time frame, and I was adamant that I was going to go for VBAC. I um, was like, yes, this time, this is my time. I'm going to make it happen. Um, and, you know, when I went into my hospital appointments or my midwife appointments, I was like, yep, this is what I want. I decided to go with the same care that I went with with Griff, which was going to um, a midwife center, a birth, like not a birth center, but a, it's a, it was another midwife center. I can't remember exactly what it's called. Um closer to where I lived, where I would see midwives. I knew I was seeing midwives. They just weren't um, going to be the midwives that were going to possibly be at my birth. Um, and when I did go to the hospital, I was very adamant <laughs> that the midwife that I had at my first birth was not to be anywhere near me. Um, and when I actually mentioned her name and they looked her up, they actually found, I actually found she had left. She had um, had a couple of complaints and actually left the hospital. So thank goodness for that <laughs> um, is all I can say. And I'm just, yeah, just is a bit sad that other women had to experience that too. Um, so, yeah, so this time around I was like, yep, very feeling very empowered. I was like, yes, I trust my body. Yes, I can do this. Um, Labor began, so I think I got to 40 plus four with Phoenix and or was it 40 plus six, one of the two. And um, labor began again after I did acupuncture to induce. And it began at around 2.30 in the morning as well. So the same as with Griff. Um, it came on, from what I remember, it came on hard and fast. So the contractions or the surges were coming on. They were really quite painful early on, um, quite different to the pain I experienced in VBAC, I have to say, um, which, you know, really confirms for me that what I was feeling was right. Um, but I'll get to that. Um, so, yeah, so the the pain came on really hard and fast. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. This This feels feels different it was excruciating the surges were lasting quite a long time and I think um by about eight o'clock in the morning I was like okay I, I feel like I need to go to the hospital because they were coming they were very close together they were lasting a good amount of time and um I was sure like I was sure like it felt like the pain I experienced when I got to seven centimeters with Griffin um and it happened very quickly so um 
I was like, right, we need to go to the hospital. And we got into the hospital. And upon a VE, they discovered that I, um, oh, no, no, I went in pretty early. Did we go in at eight? Yeah, so we went in at eight and I was in a room for a while and I had constant monitoring at that time. So I had done a bit of education, but still not enough, right? Not enough compared to what I did for, to achieve my VBAC. Um, I still kind of went in half-assed. I did, I read a book or two, I maybe searched a couple of things, but I definitely didn't do what I did on my, for my VBAC achievement. Um, and I'll talk more about that in the next episode about my VBAC. So I still wasn't really educated. I still wasn't really informed. I'd created a birth plan, but it was very pretty. Like it was just very, very still kind of flowy. And I thought I was empowered, but I wasn't. Um, so we got into the hospital. I just accepted the constant monitoring, not knowing that I had a choice, um, you know, I was still very much trusting the system and, and what they said. And they had said, you know, you have to have constant monitoring. And you, um, we want you to come into the hospital as soon as you, you can. So we did that. And I think I must have got in there about, it must have been about 8 o'clock. I'm sure it was 8 o'clock, um, maybe slightly early. And I was in the room for a while. And then I think they did a vaginal exam. And I was only a couple of centimetres. Um, and then so we went into, I got taken into a birth suite really quickly, which was surprising. Um and I just kind of like I've got a video. Gary took a video of me experiencing a surge and I was like full it went for a really long time and I was not a happy girl. Like it was really quite an intense um video to watch. And I just remember this this gut feeling that something wasn't right. I was like, this doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel the same, it feels very different. My body was kind of just telling me and giving me signals that okay mama um there's something else going on here so I was like okay I'm just going to kind of tune in and I was going through the surges and then they started to notice that when I was having a surge a contraction um baby's heart rate was dropping but it was struggling to come back up and this is a sign of bubble distress and one that I'm not personally comfortable with like if I understand that um the, the contraction like the surge makes but bub's heart rate slow but then it's meant to come back up really quickly so when I found that out coupled with what my intuition was telling me um I kind of started going okay this isn't right there's something not right here and that's when they kind of came to me and said look we're a little bit concerned and I just said yep we need to do we need to get him out I just knew I knew that we needed to get him out so um it wasn't rushed like the first one, like with Griffin, I was incredibly bruised after because it was so quick, like it was like urgent. Um, so this time around, it was a bit more um, relaxed and I was the one willing it to freaking hurry up because it was so sore, it was so painful. And um, so we got, yeah, wheeled in and I had another emergency C-section and sure enough, so my waters didn't break with any of my births um, and he had pooed in the sack so he and ingested meconium um so he was actually pulled out he they raised him above the curtain for a brief minute I saw him and then he was gone and he was taken straight to NICU um just to make sure that he was breathing he was put on oxygen um to make sure that he was breathing okay and that he had you know because he had obviously ingested and aspirated on some of the meconium so they were really concerned about that um and yeah, I just, I take that, I take that experience as a real like reminder to trust my intuition. Like my body knew, my body knew, I just knew there was something not right. And he was born at 10 o'clock, like 20 past 10, I think it was in the morning. Um, 
yeah, because he needed to come out. There was something wrong. So my partner was actually sick at the time. He had a um, a flu, a cold, I think it was. Um, so he got sent home. I went to recovery. I still hadn't seen Bub by this stage. I think Gary did get to cut the cord. Um, but, yeah, I hadn't seen Bub. I hadn't, you know, I didn't really know what was going on. I was still really, like, out of it. I remember having a little bit of a sleep. Um, and then finally, once I kind of came to, I was wheeled. Gary got sent home because he was sick. Um, and then, yeah, I was wheeled up to see him and Niku. So I saw him. He was in his little cot and was all like taped up and had a mask on his face. And it was really traumatic. It was really fucking hard to see, like really hard to see, I have to say. And the, yeah, the trauma attached to that alone, you know, not to mention that another, you know, another failed, failed birth that I assumed was failed, another failed attempt at birthing naturally. Um, yeah it just it just added to the trauma from the first one just amplified it um after this birth I did really struggle I struggled big time um I already had obviously my little man who was 30 months old to care for and then I had a newborn I had the c-section um I couldn't put phoenix down because griffin just wanted to hit him and touch him and roll on him. He was still a baby himself, so he didn't understand that it was he needed to be gentle with, with the baby. Um, but then I couldn't carry him either, so there was days where I was just just struggling, really, really struggling. Um, I I look back on it now, and I'm pretty sure I, I had a bit of PND. I remember one night just being at my wit's end. I just didn't know what to do. And I was up in the shower and I was just on my hands and knees, just sobbing, sobbing, like guttural crying, just saying, please, like, what do I do? Please help me. Please help me. I don't know what to do. Like, just at my wit's end, I was just losing it, you know. And I think after the the birth of Griffin, um, Griffin, because he was six days over, I'd organised people to come and visit him when he was when we were home. We'd been home when we would have been home for a couple of weeks. So that was going to be like you know ten to fourteen days after he was born. And but because he went over by six days, that's right. He um it meant that you know and I had the emergency C section. It meant that I was in hospital for ten days. Like well not ten days, but you know there was six days where I was still pregnant, and then the other four I was in hospital. I actually requested to stay in the third night because my pup. I didn't want to go home. I didn't have the support at home. Um, but what happened was that when we did get home, all of my family arrived. So my mum, my sisters and their partners and their kids. And it was just too much. Like I just, I, I didn't cope. I was like, I just needed my space. They were always trying to take the baby off me. And you know what? I love them and they were trying to help, but it was just a bit too much, you know, and I didn't get that time to just be at home with baby and bond. So with Phoenix, I was like, right, no visitors for two weeks. I will let you know when you can come. And now in like hindsight, I look back and I go, shit, you know, that's the time that I needed the people. You know, I needed my mum. I needed my sisters there to help me because, wow, I struggled. I really, really struggled. Um, so, yeah, I remember being in the shower and, and my partner just coming up and, and, you know, sitting down beside me and resting his hand on my back and just letting me cry. And then he jumped in the shower and, and hugged me. And it was such a beautiful moment in our relationship, too, of real, like, intimacy, you know, and and just bonding. And it was so beautiful to be held by him. But anyway, I digress. 
Um, but yeah, I wasn't in a good way. And then eventually my sister booked a flight and came over to help me. And I was able to navigate out of that first kind of six to eight weeks. Um, in that time too, his first kind of six weeks, he got sick twice and we were back in hospital twice. So he had three rounds of antibiotics in the first, I think it was four weeks of his life, which was horrific. Um, and yeah, it was just, a, you know, those times where I was back in hospital with him for days and I wasn't with my other kids and it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot. So it's understandable that I did lose it a little bit. <laughs> um, and there still wasn't the support there. You know, there still wasn't the people there. I had friends who cooked me some food and that was pretty well there. And I was so grateful for that. Don't get me wrong, but you know, this is where we really need tribe, really need tribe for mummies out there who are struggling because it's freaking hard. <sighs> yes, so that, my love, that is the story of number two, my beautiful phoenix, my beautiful firebird. He lives up to his name. He is fiery. He's stubborn. He's just like me, <laughs> um, which is fun. And, yeah, he's just beautiful. And he's here safe, and that's really all that, I'm, all that matters. You know, that's where I, I truly believe that intervention is required and it's such an incredible option that we have available to us and it does help really um you know it does help with with children and, and mortality rates and stuff it's absolutely incredible what I don't like is how it's often just used automatically as a way of um pushing you through you know or um just based out of fear and lack of trust in the woman and the woman's body so anyway, my loves, I'm grateful for him. I'm grateful for him being here. I'm grateful for Western Medicine and that moment. And yeah, I can't wait to share my VBA 2C, my V back, my vaginal birth after two C-sections uh, story in the very next episode. So tune in and I will see you and speak to you then. Bye. Thanks for listening, gorgeous woman. I hope you enjoyed that episode and make sure you remember to hit that subscribe button so you do not miss an episode on the Birth Like a Badass podcast. See you next time.